0: Yeah, so I'll kick off, um, and it's uh, it's a very relaxed affair, as you can see, so do uh, chip in if you want to know anything, ask a bit of a question, um, or, you know, we'll try and go in the direction that you might want to hear, but if there might be something completely different or related in some way that you want to hear, in we which we case... yeah. don't know what anyone that.
1: wants.
0: Yeah, so, um, so I'll just say a little bit about who I am and then... So um, I the last job that I did in the BBC was as Head of Radio Comedy, which means Head of Radio Comedy Production. I wasn't commissioning, I was producing stuff. And I'd been producing in the BBC for about 30 years, and most of that was in comedy, radio and television. Um, I made a couple of um, quite culty sort of programs in TV that you may or may not have heard of, but they still watch. Um, Got a BAFTA and then went back to radio to go into management side and run the department and loved it for a while. And then in the end, you kind of go, oh, no, I want to make programs again. So now I'm freelancing. Um, In that time... Uh, Edinburgh was a very important place for us to go to and see stuff and, you know, just obviously we went out and saw stuff all the time, but that's the place where uh, performers and writers do their hour and it's something quite different that you don't necessarily get anywhere else and it's a hot house as, you know, I'm sure quite a few of you have been in various capacities. And one of those years, I was up there and I saw John do a show that was called John Trials Shed. Shed. And it was beautiful. It was just a beautiful, funny, well-written, clever, memorable show. Um, And lots of other people went to see it. And there was a real buzz about it. And afterwards, I don't think afterwards, I don't think we had a meeting. I think I went up to you afterwards and gave you a card. Um,
1: Jane came up to me afterwards and said, that was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. We had a nice little chat. And you went away, and I thought, oh, that was nice. And then you kind of came back and went, oh, by the way, I'm head of comedy at Radio 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's great. And you said we should have a meeting. So we had a meeting in September. I think it lasted about two minutes. What, the meeting? Yeah, you basically said, just do it on Radio. He said, so I did the show in August, we met in September, and you said, do a half hour version of it. And we'll record it in November, and it'll go on radio four in December. Does that sound okay? And I said, Yeah, that sounds okay. <laughs> that sounds okay. Um, so it's a really fast turnaround. It was really exciting.
0: That's very unusual. Don't get excited. Oh, yeah. That
1: doesn't happen
0: these days on radio. I so can also much.
1: testify to that as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so come on. To, so after so that was a that was a great start by the sound of it. That was.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I I I went up to Edinburgh. Um, not with the kind of big dreams of thinking this is the show that's going to start my career. I'd been to Edinburgh twice before, both times doing poetry shows uh, with a couple of my friends. One in 2008, I did a show with my friend Paddy, and it, was, it rained every day of that Edinburgh, and we were sharing... Um, Edinburgh's so expensive that we were... His auntie and uncle lived in Edinburgh, so we were sharing the tiny double bed of their spare room and then going flying in the rain and it was horrible and we were getting like th- the first show we did one person turned up and we said to her at the end thank you and she said I don't really speak English <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was a brilliant introduction to Edinburgh because that is what Edinburgh is like a lot of the time but I really enjoyed it and then Weirdly, there's been lots of kind of nice little coincidences in my career, if you can, if you can use that word. Um, I
0: think
1: that's a fair word. And one, um, I did a radio show called John Peel's Shed. I wrote a box of records from John Peel's Radio 1 show, and I decided to do it on my local community station. I live in Norwich, and I thought, it'd be good to have a show where I just played some records. And... The next time I was in Edinburgh, this guy who I vaguely knew said to me, oh, if you did that in, I listened to your radio show, if you did that in Edinburgh, I think it would sell out and it would be really popular. And if you want to do it, I'll produce it for you. So I said, oh, in the same way that, like, kind meet like, yeah, OK, that sounds, that sounds fun. And that's what happened. So um, I went up to Edinburgh, it got, um, I think, John Pocock from Radio 4 came to watch it first yeah. of all and then yeah. suggested you should come. Mm. And, um, and then it was on the week before... Christmas. I
0: suggested John should go, but it's not come to me. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, and then it was on the week before Christmas, 2011. And then Jane said to me, if you've got any other ideas, we should talk about them. So I thought about some more ideas and then we met. I think I had four ideas, and two of them you were like, I don't think so, and then one of them I think we definitely liked, and then the other one we kind of played around with for a bit, and so the next year we did two more half-hour shows, and that was mine and Jane's relationship, really, for a, f- a few years, between 2011 and 2015, I guess. was just, if I had an idea, I would send it to her, and... If I'd normally wait until I had kind of three or four ideas, and then sometimes she would say yes, sometimes she would say no, sometimes she would say maybe, and let's and we'd meet and talk it through. So we did six in the end, six half-hour Radio 4
0: Is that right? Stories. We did six.
1: Yeah, it's quite impressive, isn't it? It's, it's good. quite good.
0: And then, and then they'd go backwards and forwards, the scripts would go backwards and forwards. John used to always come up with a really good script, but that wasn't to say... Uh, there weren't things that could be changed or better. And one of my absolute definitions of a writer is that you have to be a good rewriter. And John is a really good rewriter. And you can... if You just have to be sort of less... Not too much ego. Just, you know, if I'm saying, I'm not quite sure about this bit, a good writer has probably already thought, do you know what? It's probably not working the best thing for me, and I've already thought about it, and what about if I do this, 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 and this, and we'll come up with, like, four or five alternatives to how that could be. And that really is where writing takes off. Um, and it's not to say that would be the case all the time. It might be that I don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes that happens. No, I mean, you know, I don't, sometimes you don't get it. Because maybe it's just not clear enough, or I'm just not I'm just misunderstanding it. And so, of course, it's a conversation, and of course, there will be times when you'll be saying, "No, actually, I think it does work because it's that and that." But if it isn't working, or if it could be better, don't hold on to it. Kill it. Kill yeah. kill your babies. Get rid of it. Re- write, write, and rewrite. Richard Curtis says that he about 10% of what he writes eventually goes into his films or goes into what he writes. Yeah. There are a million different ways. You know, that's he, he is somebody who claims to not even do any kind of plan, which then you are heading for many more rewrites. Um, so there are different ways of planning it. But what do you do? How do you plan
1: stuff? Um, it's, it, it really varies, to be honest. With the Radio 4 stories, what, what my favourite thing to do is just to write and write and write without particularly knowing what the ending is going to be. Um, I don't think... like I wouldn't suggest that is a particularly uh, productive, way, <coughs> productive way of writing. Um, I think it's probably better to have a very clear structure. But generally, I'll, I'll know kind of the beginning, the middle and the end. The thing that I wrote most recently... That I'm going to do at Edinburgh next year, and hopefully going to put on Radio Four. I didn't know the ending until, like, I, I thought I'd finished it after I'd finished writing it. And then about two months later, I suddenly realised that there was a really beautiful ending that I'd not even thought about. So, um, I, but I, I'd like to kind of echo your your thing of editing is is important as writing. If you spend Whatever time you spend writing something, you should spend the same time rewriting it and editing it, and just looking at every line and making sure it's if, if, making sure it's got something. If it's got, if you're trying to be funny, make sure it's funny. If you tr- try and put some emotion into it, don't have any wasted lines. I get really annoyed when I'm watching things and there's quite. Kind yeah. of fluffy bits. You end and up little... screaming
0: at the television, don't you? Yeah. Um, one of the ones that one of the things that I used to say to John, more than anything actually, that is, where's the personal? There were times when you, I think that was what I always wanted more of from you. Yeah. That, that you know you could go off into a generality when yeah. actually something specific. Would would work better, and I think that was something that we we emphasised quite a lot.
1: Yeah, the second thing that we did for radio, for after jumping your sheds, was called Valentine's Day, and it's probably the one that um, it did really well. It's probably the show that people have mentioned to me most often, but it's the only the only thing that I didn't write in the first person. I wrote it about this guy called Sean who was a chef who'd just been dumped by his girlfriend and it, like it, there's nothing wrong with it, it's good and it's funny and it's interesting and people liked it but afterwards we decided that if I'm going to write it should be in the first person, it should be told these, these kind of true stories. They don't have to be true, they're not all true but they're, There's they're some truth this, in yeah, them isn't truth, there There's enough and truth there is in them, truth said in that them. Yeah. Okay, and it was
0: yeah. something the commissioner was keen on as well. Yeah. Um, Now, at this point, we could go in a million different directions. We could talk about um, the fact that, you know, John was a writer-performer. That's one way to get in. But how many people here are writer-performers or are you would-be writers? Because, you know, writer-performer is one way to get in, but it's probably a much easier way to get in. Um, So you might want to hear about, you know, writing. You might want to hear about the slots on Radio 4. You might want to hear about What commissioners uh, are looking for, and production companies are looking for. Should we try and do some of all of that? Okay. Um, So writer-performers obviously um, can you know go to Edinburgh, can do slots, can invite people to see them. There's something very tangible that is there that that you can um, draw attention to. And um, the slots that are on Radio Four. Who, do people listen to Radio Four? Yeah. That's number one, quite you know, vitally important. If you're going to try and name stuff to Radio Four, then then do listen to it. Um, Radio Four has got three main slots <coughs> for comedy. It's got eleven thirty in the morning, six thirty at night, and at uh, six thirty in the evening, and eleven o'clock at night. And these get big audiences. All of them get big audiences. Um, I mean, 11 o'clock in the morning probably gets nearly a million. 11 th- uh, 6.30 gets about between 1.3 and 1.5 million. And late at night gets about still up to three quarters of a million. These are bigger audiences than quite a lot of shows on BBC Two, even though they might not tell you that, but it's true. Um, so they're quite coveted slots. So they're quite competitive. and. Um the 6.30 slot in particular is predominantly writer-performer slot. It's, it, they like to have an audience around quite a lot of it, uh, and it's writer-performer-led. So, really, you're looking more at 11.30 in the morning or late night. And the other thing about the late-night slot, the 11 o'clock at night slot, which isn't on every day, I think it's on Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays or something, but anyway you can find out, um, it varies a bit is that they also have 15-minute slots in that. They only do series, they don't do one-offs. John is an exception and, you know, and then they wanted more from him so that it was like an occasional series. Generally speaking, you'll do four, a series of four. And the, but that's series, not serials. People know what the difference is? It's not... It, they're each standalone. So it's a it's a series of four, four times fifteen minutes, four or four times thirties, with the same characters and the same scenario and the same sit if it's a sitcom, but like all sitcoms, the story of the week is tied into that episode. Mm -hmm. Very little, maybe minimal character development, but you know, basically they stand alone. Um There's also the Woman's Hour series that is on across a week, five times 15 minutes. And there are one-off plays um, that are 45 minutes and they are one-offs. And those are slots that new writers can look for. And what I would suggest that you do is just keep, is listen, keep listening. And then the ones that you like Note who the producer is, and some of them will be made by independent producers and some of them will be made by in-house producers. And if it's in-house, it will say it's BBC Studios, that's what they're calling themselves these days. So, uh, produced by so-and-so BBC Studios, that means it's in-house, or produced by David Tyler at Positive, or produced by Stephen Doherty at Giddy Goat. And then you can go online and find out where these people are. They're all there waiting for you to get in touch with them. So they're quite easy to find once you you know who you're looking for. And then, you know, send them to them. Flatter them. Tell them, you listened to that, you liked it. Don't go mad, but, you know, say what you liked about it. And then, and here's something that I'd like to send to you. And what you're sending is probably, at this point, a full script. They don't really want, here's a great idea, what do you think? They'll go, but h- can you write it? How do I know if you can write it? So, television sometimes treatments, but more often than not, it's a script. And actually, from your point of view, you need to write the script in order to know that you can write it. And it's good practice. So, don't worry about sending scripts. Yes? It would
1: tend to be like-
0: No, it's a paper script. It's a paper script. And unless... Are you a writer-performer? Yeah. Uh, it would still be a paper script, but it would be probably just as useful for, to get them to come and see you.
1: Um, I, I guess that yeah. if you... It's so easy to upload something to SoundCloud or to any kind of audio file, do you think... I I guess a producer would listen to that. Definitely, yeah. So much of it depends on look as well. It might be that the producer... If you listen to a show that you think, that's great and that's the kind of thing that I want to do, you then email the producer and, and like Jane said, flatter them and, and, and say that the reason that you've chosen them is to say, you produce Tim Key and I like Tim Key and I think I can do something similar. Um... And if you, if you can upload it to SoundCloud, it doesn't hurt. And they,
0: it, it, Or it, um, send via WeTransfer.
1: Yeah, via we transfer. And, and it might be that they, they think, oh, well, I'm actually going to, I'm about to go on a train journey so I can listen to it on the train. Or it might be that they're in the middle of ten things and, and they never get around to listening to it. So much of it is about look. And I kind of mentioned that as like, like you can kind of interpret that in whichever way you want. You might think that that's, like very pessimistic, or you might think that it's very optimistic, but like, producers want to hear good and, and read good Radio for stories and shows and ideas. And if you if you do it and um, the right person is in the right mood and is willing to take a punt on it, then it's, it's really exciting. So it's worth doing. But I, I would say that... Always write the script because it is useful for you and for them. But I think as it's so easy to upload things and to do gigs as well, invite people along. Mm. Do, anything, do anything that you think might give you a mm. just a, a nudge yes. ahead.
0: TV, um, I would say the best opportunities for new writers are, is BBC Three. The, um, they do shorts these days online, any length really. That's what's so brilliant about it. You know, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. But again, it's more likely to be a series of shorts. Um, So if you've got an idea for that, have a look online, see who's making them. Um, See if if your idea, you think it can gel in with that and and that's another great opportunity. Um, What do we want to talk about next? Um, You've written for radio. So tell me what you're doing at the moment.
1: Um, I, at the moment, I'm working on lots of different things, probably slightly too many things, but um, I, a couple of years ago I wrote my first thing for TV, uh, which was on Sky One uh, last year, called After Hours, which um, was a really enjoyable thing to work on. I wrote it with my friend Molly. um, and, um Oops, Sorry. And that, just as Radio 4 led on to lots of other things, this kind of led on as soon as you write something and get a little bit of a name, and it's much easier to meet people like producers and um, to kind of build up your CV. So at the moment, I'm meeting lots of production companies with TV ideas. And I've got three things that are with production companies. One's just been sent to a channel, to ITV, so that's quite exciting. The other two are very early stages. I want to do more Radio 4 things. I've not done a Radio 4 story for um, over a year. So I, I've been talking to a Radio 4 producer who's very keen to do stuff, and we're going to do that next year. Hopefully something bigger than... A, I'd like to continue doing one-off stories, but I'd quite like to do a, a bigger script. That's something that's interesting about... Um, maybe you don't even remember this but I said Jane and I sat down and talked about new ideas and I said what I really want to do is write a Radio for sitcom and so you suggested I go and write it and and I sent it to you and you, you just suggested, <laughs> suggested that I do not persevere with it.
0: I've forgotten it but I remember that happening but yeah. I can't remember what it was.
1: I, I've never I've never looked at it again it was about a charity shot. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it was quite, and I, it was the first, like you'd rejected ideas that I'd had before, but it was the first time that I'd spent a long time writing something and, and, it, and it got rejected. And because everything was, I'd just had a TV thing commissioned, i just had a couple of Radio 4 things commissioned, and it was a really kind of refreshing kind of like punch in the stomach of going, yeah, not, not everything.
0: It's a brutal world. It's, it's it's an really brutal. brutal world it's really brutal absolutely brutal world
1: it's really what's brutal. the difference
0: between writing for radio and TV or what the differences
1: um, I think I think the, the difference for writing for TV because uh, both of them are comedy uh, this is an interesting thing that I was going to ask you actually is that with TV a lot of the things that i've wanted to write have been rejected because they're not f- laugh out loud funny enough or they're not kind of silly enough or they're not, I think things go in trends and a lot, of, a lot of production companies go well Mrs Brown's boys is funny let's do that and they see me and they go you're not going to do that. Radio 4, I never tried to make my Radio 4 comedy shows funny because I don't have a background as a stand up comedian, I'm not, I'm not funny. Um, I, don't, I don't try to be funny. But, um, and so, we never... We, I don't think we ever really had a conversation... I don't think you ever read any of my stories and said, put more jokes in or make me no.
0: funny. Although, if it was for this... So, in my... Quite recently, the commissioner for Radio 4 Comedy has changed after... A huge number of years I mean and it's a very powerful position to be in because that one person controls all these slots which is a huge way in for writers and performers uh, and it's now changed and there's now a woman there called Shonid William and she is looking for more gag more <clears throat> gag more laugh out loud uh, she doesn't like sadcom which is that? Do you know, sad com is a word that's out there at the moment. Fleabag, who's seen Fleabag? Yeah. Fantastic! What brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. She doesn't like it. Um, it's <laughs> such a subjective world, you know. Um, thank God, whoever commissioned Fleabag, Shane wasn't it? Shane Allen will have commissioned Fleabag, and um, it's—I think it's brilliant. Um, divorce. She doesn't like it. Um, so, you know, it's. And that's her prerogative, that's, that's, she will bring some other stuff in that we will all laugh at and love. Um, But yeah, be aware of that, don't send in a sadcom at the moment because she don't like them. Other things that are different though, I mean, it's obvious but uh, you can't see them. So everything, all the exposition has to be in the script Without it seeming like its exposition, um, but you know uh, the opening scene of a of Friends. I don't know that's probably not a good enough reference these days. But you know the opening scene of a of a major sitcom. You can see the flat. You can see where they live. You can see them. You can see how old they are. You can see the expressions on their face. You can't do that on the radio. You have to put all of that in the script without it being obvious that it's there.
1: It's the hardest thing i found about writing for TV is that I wrote it with my friend Molly who'd done a little bit of radio but was much more kind of cinematic than me and had seen much more films and was kind of much more TV savvy. And I'd done much more radio and kind of, as a both a writer and it, like the way I consume my stuff, I'm more likely to listen to radio stuff or podcasts than watch films. And I remember we were writing this one, or we'd written this one scene, and she was saying, "Yeah, but where are they in the room? Or like, how do they get from there to there?" And I genuinely, genuinely didn't know what she meant. And I realised that she saw everything in pictures, and she was seeing, she was, she could see the characters moving around in the room, and I could just see them on a piece of paper. Um,
0: That's interesting. So you don't see them when you write.
1: I don't think uh, apparently not. No. Oh.
0: Um
1: I think I do I think I do a little bit more now. I think I've had to, I had to learn learn that process of writing for TV whereas for Molly it came very naturally.
0: Mm.
1: Um but maybe that um helps me when I'm writing radio and because mm. I like I I like being able to um come up with the, an interesting line about someone that immediately you can picture them in your head. Yeah. Like I had a fact, I, I wanted, I think, I don't know, even know which story it was in, but describing someone as having a, f- having a face like an empty fridge.
0: <laughs>
1: like, I, like that's what I get really excited about writing. I like yes. those images and that's why I, I like writing books as well. Um, and you, t- you can't really do that if in, mm-hmm. in TV. It's all about dialogue and writing dialogues much harder than writing Or I find it much harder than writing
0: prose. Mm. Mm.
1: But I would say that TV is incredibly rewarding. Because when we did our radio shows, it was genuinely me and Jane. And we would have our meet, we would kind of meet in her office at the BBC. And I'd go away and we'd exchange emails. And then we'd turn up on the night of recording. And we'd sort of go through it all, and then we we'd do it, and then so there was only ever the credits were the two of us, and then when you do TV, it's your script gets sent to a costume department and a um, art department and makeup, um, and, designer makeup and, and, and design, makeup yeah. and design, and and it's like it, it it's so incredible. Yes. But. Um, The main thing that I I kind of think is important is I always just write what I think is good and what I want to write and um, I'm lucky that I've never really been in a position where I'm trying to be... I don't know what I'd have done if you said, right, that script is good but go away and put a joke on every other page. Hmm. I'd have found that quite hard because it would have ended up damaging the script. Um, possibly, 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 possibly. But if you've got Maybe the, it'd been you would have know, if
0: you've got the gags out of the people who, were, you know, it's not about gag writing per se, is it? It's about getting funny stuff out of the characters and yeah. the people in it and putting them into funny situations. And so, I don't know. it, yeah, yeah. it might have might have worked. Yeah, do yeah. If anyone's got any more. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Just> to... <laughs> yes, because it's been recorded for a podcast. Yeah.
1: So so you spoke a bit about sending something in and it not being the right time for it, maybe, as in, you know, it's not what they're looking for at that point. I mean, to what extent can you take feedback like that and just say, well, I'll sizzle it for a couple of years and send it round again? Yeah, um, that, that's a totally valid thing to do. I think generally you find yourself... Writing, you, you need to write, you need to turn things over so regularly that the, the thought of just writing something and then uh, w- waiting for like you can write something, send it off, it, have it rejected, and then send it again six months later, a year later. That's fine as long as you're doing other things at the yeah, same so time. You've
0: got to be actively sitting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and but yeah, it's definitely true that always. Be on the lookout for changes of um, uh, producer and, and, and controllers, it, it, it moved, it was, particularly in TV it changes around quite a lot. Um, BBC Writers' Room is a good way to get information yes, about that good, kind of Yes, good thing. that you
0: mentioned that. There's a play, Do you know about BBC Writers' Room? Yeah, good. Just keep, keep on the website, that's a good one to do. And yeah, and sort of be aware where it's gone because people don't understand the difference between production departments and commissioners. And so they think it's gone into TV. Chris Sussman's seen it, so it's been rejected by the BBC. Well, it isn't, because Chris Sussman is currently head of BBC production. So if he's rejected it, it's still not been offered to the commissioners. So you can send it to other, depa- other production companies who are the same as him. He's in-house, but there are other production companies. And if one of them likes it and wants to fight for it, then they may want to offer
1: it to the commissioners.
0: So you just have to be a bit savvy about what the system is
1: yeah but I I think the main thing is to work really hard on your writing read loads write loads have favourites have people that you just go and watch live if you can and listen to everything they do um, and try and kind of emulate them like I guess a good example is someone like um, uh, one of my favourite things i read it for in the last year was Liam Williams who's a it comedian. And
0: was brilliant.
1: And he did a late-night show called... Was it was called Lad, Ladhood, was it called?
0: Something like that, yeah. And it
1: was so funny. And I, I really enjoyed it, because I, I saw him do a gig kind of three or four years ago and just thought he was brilliant. And so every time I'm in Edinburgh, I'll try and watch him. Um, I, I'll kind of, like, follow him on Twitter. Um, you Just have have your, have your favourites and try and kind of think what... What would they be doing? And like, what? Try and get into that world of the world. If you want to be a Radio Four writer, think what would a Radio? What do I think a Radio Four writer looks like? And what do I think a Radio? How do I think a Radio Four writer would live their life? And then try and live that life.
0: Really, so,
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah think, live their life. Really, I think so. he is a
0: great, and he is a fantastic writer. I mean, he is a brilliant, brilliant writer. What was very interesting about that was that it was it was. Uh, One example of what I just said about holding on to what he knew he wanted was because he is a writer-performer, he could have easily played at 6.30 in front of an audience, and he didn't want to. He wanted it to be non-audience, and he wanted it to be late night, and he wanted... It's basically based on his adolescence and school and adolescence, and he wanted kids from Leeds, unknown kids from Leeds to play the the kids that you know that as he was him and his mates that he was writing about and he was very clear about what he wanted and we were quite um insistent that it should be in front of an audience Mm -hmm. and he was right he's absolutely right and it's a brilliant piece we didn't do it in front of an audience we did it late night we did it as he wanted it uh arnab Produced it in the end and spent a lot of time finding the right kids in Leeds, completely unknown young kids. It's really nice piece of writing, and radio. and it's
1: quite it's like sweary and dirty, and it's got like Arctic Monkeys, and it's just quite exciting yeah. that, that 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 Radio Four, yeah. like if, it, if if it's a good example, if something's good, then they'll they'll make make it happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Any other questions?
1: Yeah, uh, so when you, going back to what you said earlier about going to Edinburgh, when you're there, do you only go to things that
0: are stand-up or a particular kind of comedy or you just try and go and see anything, like if, if we were doing something that's quite theatrical um, and costumes and lights and sounds and all that, do you kind of go to see I go I definitely go to see <laughs> plays. I mean, I, yeah, I do, and I, I more and more I go to see plays, actually. Um, and the two things that I came away from the last Edinburgh uh, were things that I kind of just went to because I thought I might just like them, yeah. and they're the two, you know, two. Of, they're the two things that I'm now working with, and probably you know, hoping to take to TV or wherever they end up. Yeah. Um, so definitely, I look at, I seek out writers there. Uh, uh, personally, I wouldn't be too concerned about. What kind of production it is, but that—that that, uh, what I mean is, I'm looking at the script. But you want a script to be well produced, but uh, you know, what kind of lighting or what kind of costumes, as long as it's in keeping with the script. I'm not looking for something that's massive. So we
1: shouldn't, other than being prepared to rewrite and edit, we shouldn't kind of go on stage thinking. Or we need to make it suitable for radio We
0: should just do what we do definitely definitely yeah. ready to kind of change it definitely into, yeah. definitely yeah. definitely do what you yeah do what you do do what's right do what's theatrical you know it's it's edinburgh isn't it and it's got to cut through in edinburgh and that's because yeah. you know what happens to it in edinburgh is important as well people you know winning awards or whatever it is that that will have an effect as well yeah uh, yes
1: um, for somebody wanting to work more production side of things um, do you think it's better to go and aim for a career or at least starting out in the BBC or in a smaller indie because I keep hearing really conflicting stuff from people who work I'd in both say of
0: them. go wherever you get a job
1: yeah okay
0: <laughs> you should be so lucky you know just just go with it just start you can move really fast sure you can move around it's a world that moves very fast and at every level at every level you know commissioners change every five minutes heads of department change every five minutes just yeah just get experience and you'll soon work out where you want to be some people prefer a bigger department company other people prefer littler ones Yes, it's great to be a big fish in a small pond, or but then you won't get as much experience of you know, both are good.
1: It all interlinks as well. You meet people because I did, did lots of uh live gigs and kind of uh like, like poetry gigs and spoken word gigs, and I met people there, and then you kind of turn up at radio four and they've got a job at radio four, and kind of so people your age, um. Kind of progressing their career at the same time as you do, so people that you meet when you're first starting out or at university, you then meet again three years later, five years later, and they're in much more senior positions so just being good being good at your job, whether you're a producer or a writer or a performer, just whatever you do, throw everything into it because people people like that and a lot of my friends are producers, and it is it is a very exciting world and, and um, and and if you're good at something, word word will spread around, and uh, you can you can jump around quite 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 happily. Hmm.
0: I'm trying to think, what else I should be telling you about writing writing opportunities. It um yeah, I think that that relationship that you find with a producer is is a really key one. It's, you know, it's the closest thing that you're going to get to some kind of business partnership or marriage or something that's, it's a really, if it works properly, it's a really key thing to a writer's career, is finding the producer that is understanding your ideas and can contribute more to your ideas. ideally. You know what what you were saying about a TV production, and it's exciting because there's costume and makeup. What you want from all of these people is is more than you could ever imagine on your own. It, you know, it, if if somebody can't give you costume and makeup that is going to enhance a character to the level that you never even imagined, then they're not they're not good enough. And it's the same with the producer. They should be able to stretch you so that you are writing a script that you never really imagined from the start. Um, I'm I'm trying to do some writing at the moment, and I suddenly realise what I used to do, and I want that person, you know, to 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 read this script and just understand it and be able to give you notes so that you can. Simplify it in your head and enhance some of the characters and knock out some of the characters and have a million more, you know, and that's what you want. And that's what really, in a group like this, maybe you can get from one another as well, at this stage. You need to find people who can read your work and understand it. Don't ever send anything to somebody out there without having it read a few times and having good feedback from someone you trust
1: yeah and also um, i think really importantly is to really enjoy it like it's a really exciting thing to be a writer or to be a producer or to be a performer like it's brilliant and you should never if you find yourself getting frustrated with it then put it to one side and start something new because some of my favorite things that i've ever done has just been the enjoyment of writing and creating things and seeing what happens next and that's the only reason that i um, ended up having something on TV. Is that me and my friend Molly went to a pub, had a few beers, got pretty drunk. We're talking about writing in general because she was a writer, she's a writer as well, and she asked what I was working on next, and I said I don't really know, but I'm in the mood for get, for starting something new. And she said, Yeah, I am too, and it got to the stage of well, maybe we could do something together. Have you ever worked with anyone? And I said, No, not really. And so she said, well, what what could we do? And we talked about ideas, and then that ended up being the thing that was on TV four years later. And every step of the way, it was just an adventure rather than work. I think it's quite a unique experience because we were incredibly lucky. And now that I'm trying to get more things on TV, I realise how (laughs) lucky we were in the first place, because it's just hard and it's full of rejection. The fact that we wrote a TV script. The first thing we wrote, we got a production company and we got a commission straight away. And it was Craig
0: Cash's company. And it was Craig Cash, it wasn't just who wrote any old company.
1: Craig Cash who wrote The Royal Family, yeah. And he, he and he's a big believer because he's a writer. He knows how important it is that the writer's vision is seen and, and, and allowed to flourish. So he never got it. He only ever made suggestions, which is the same with you. Really, um, making suggestions and and also quite quite s- specific things, and just thinking. I would always think, well, if Craig really thinks that, if Craig's really picking up on this, or if James really noticed that, then I definitely need to have a have a look at it. And so you become a better writer with the people that you work with, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was really lucky that um, all all of the things that I've worked on the things that I'm most proud of. I don't think it's a coincidence that the the production side of it has been an incredibly enjoyable experience. And
0: what about working in a duo as opposed to working on your own work? Because some of the best comedy is written by two two people, isn't it? Yeah. Partnerships, comedy partnerships. Not least, I think, because it's quite hard to know... I mean, again, if you're a writer-performer, you can try, you can just go and try some gags out, can't you? And if people laugh, then presumably they're funny. You know, that, that's, that's the definition of it. Whereas if you're a writer working at home on your own, you think it's funny, but until... You know, how do you actually know? And yet, you can get a group of friends to read it, and that's another really useful thing to do. At some point when you're writing a script, that's a really useful thing to do. But I know that, you know, some of the best comedies, aren't they? Sam and Jesse, who write in Peep Show and... Kevin and Andy and the group that write Veep together and, yeah. you know, they, they're and not... Craig
1: and Caroline doing The Royal Families. is a yeah. perfect example. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you, can, if you can find a like-minded person who has similar, a similar work ethic, similar um, kind of integrity, similar skills, but can also add something extra to it, then that's perfect. And it, and it is possible. I think a lot of people would lo- love a writing partner. And so it's it is worth um, if you see someone show in Edinburgh who's clearly just starting out, to say I like that. Or probably emailing them is be- better to say.
0: But you have to get their email. Yeah.
1: But yeah. So
0: yeah, talk um, to them afterwards. Yeah. Talk to
1: them afterwards and to say, would you be like? It's quite a bold, it's quite a bold thing to do, but the reward like is it's worth it. And, and and for me and Molly writing after hours, we did it quite in quite, quite a s- strange way, really, in that we had both written so many things on our own that we didn't really like the idea of being in the same room and one of us typing and the other one we felt quite self-conscious about it. So we would plot the episodes, <coughs> scene by scene, and then we'd both go away and we'd both write the whole episode on our own. Wow, And then That's we would email it to each other and kind of print it out on our own and do ticks and crosses and three ticks and, and we kind of look at her scene one and my scene one and it would be like right your scene one's better but we'll use that one line from your scene one we'll put that into it and scene two it's like oh well, your scene's better scene three it's like well we'll use my scene three and then we kind of merge it into this mega document and then we would just it would be way too long so we would just read it out to each other I do the male characters she did the female characters. And then we just, we'd do it kind of during the day, kind of quite professionally, and then we'd kind of do it at, like, midnight yeah. with, like, a bottle of wine and some food and kind of try to make each other laugh so it had that extra kind of funny element to it. And so I guess the interesting thing about that is, like, we just worked on it for about, about 12 hours, like, we'd get up at 10 and we'd work until maybe 2 in the morning. We'd just work... Because we enjoyed it so much and also we would watch things that we thought were suitable and we'd we just plan things but it never really felt like work because we enjoyed writing and i think a lot of problems that writers have is that they lose the love of it and they find it frustrating and i guess another thing of that maybe this is too much of a variation but don't have don't write on or i personally don't write on my laptop i write everything by, by longhand yeah. but maybe that's just quite eccentric now I maybe think that it's is clear. quite eccentric these, 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 these,
0: these I mean there's all kinds of ways that partnerships well I've never heard of everyone uh, two people writing the whole thing that's yeah, amazing our, our that's agent, really interesting our agent
1: said that it was ridiculous and so that we should well I can't imagine
0: that, that you would carry on like that for your whole life if you're we, working together we, you know because you would get too many commissions and
1: but we, know, we tried yeah. to do it differently when that was for episode one and episodes two and three were commissioned so it's like right you write episode two I write episode three and it was an absolute disaster.
0: Yeah we no well, I've it, heard you know. about uh, so, I mean there are millions of different ways there are people who sit in the same room and one person paces and one person types. Um, Paul Whitehouse I work with he never types but he, he paces and shouts and you know and, and someone's always typing um, there are people who will do what you do and sit and plot. Um, Graham and Arthur, who wrote Father... Graham Linden and Arthur Matthews, who wrote Father Ted. Uh, they would get, just do a one to ten. So they didn't do a scene by scene as such, but they did points, one to ten. This is how it starts, and you know, so then it does this, and one to ten. And then they would share it out and do scene by scene, and then swap. Um, Richard Curtis and Ben Elton, when they wrote Blackadder, had a rule that if anybody didn't like anything, it was gone. And that's, you know, that's going to up the game, isn't it? That is really going to, that's, that's a good rule to have, I think. Um, so yeah, there are loads of ways, but it's always a good way to see whether you can make the other person laugh. And if it...
1: Which is, um, to both of you, actually. Um, over, say, the last ten years, have either of you been surprised um, by what's been
0: successful in fun? Probably, yes. I think I'm probably continually surprised at what's successful, in a good way. You know, you don't there, there, there are, you don't see things coming, do you? I mean, Fleabag is a little bit like that, I think, mm-hmm. in the most recent one, um, and the way it went, you know, from from I wasn't quite sure about episode one I'm often quite mm, not quite sure about episode same, one yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm someone who necessarily gets things straight away um, uh, the royal family years and years ago but you have to mention Caroline because she's fantastic um, was probably a huge surprise for us all wasn't it how, how did they do that that's just amazing um, what else has been surprising
1: um, I think the most excited I've ever been about watching the first episode of something was the first episode of Peep Show. I just thought that was so funny and the two main characters were so relatable and I just thought, it's the closest I've ever seen to someone kind of going, oh, this is, this is my life. Because I had a housemate at the time, we both sort of watched it going, oh. <laughs> in, in, in that same way that people watching The Office for the first time, some, some of them were going, oh, I'm a little bit too much like David Brent. Yeah. Um, so I think watching Peep Show for the first time was, but being, yeah, being surprised. Um,
0: Him and her, that was quite surprising wasn't it, uh, but brilliantly written. Uh, just good writing shines through I think it's, um, what else was surprising, Flowers.
1: Oh Flowers was absolutely incredible. The
0: way that went.
1: It was so beautiful. Mm. That was a recent thing that on Channel 4 this year. It's on the Channel 4 On Demand, if you've not seen it. And I think it's episode five that just becomes... Yes. ...the most incredible. Yeah. Like, like, you're almost kind of, like, standing up and watching it going, this is... This yeah. is It's almost too much. Uh,
0: I think Channel 4 have done some great stuff, actually, recently. I think Channel 4...
1: Yeah, they have,
0: yeah.
1: Um, oh, I know what was really... What I would describe as being surprising. is quite a lot of the things that I watch and enjoy are quite niche and kind of BBC 4-y, but I remember watching Gavin and Stacey when it was first on and just thinking it was beautiful and funny and lovely and so... It's one of the reasons I wanted to write a sitcom myself, So I just thought, oh, it's so perfect. Um, and then, so I guess it was a surprise that actually it became so um, accepted by everyone, it won so many awards, because I thought it was a kind of show that could only have a niche following, but it just became the new... Like one of the kind of top 10 sitcoms, really. I just thought it was incredible.
0: Yeah, and that wasn't one that was full of laugh out loud gags or. No, no. And it was very sweet, and probably at a time when sweet wasn't in vogue, and then suddenly it becomes in vogue, and and that, you know, it's great where it keeps changing. do I personally take unsolicited scripts? Not really at the moment. Um, but um, unsolicited scripts I would send to... We'll do what I said, writer's room or um, look out for who... You know, really target the person that you think... Analyse what it is and think what's the nearest thing to it and who might love it.
1: I I think it's as useful to spend, if you want to spend a day writing from 9 to 5, it's actually quite useful to write nothing, to spend a day 9 to 5 listening to Radio 4 comedies. It's so much easier now because the iPlayer is so good, you can just go into the comedy section, and it's got quite a big database, so you can listen to Mark Watson and Mark Steele and... Yeah. Uh,
0: Although because of copyright, they're not all there. So do beware. You know, some of them, some of them are only there for thirty days, and then they disappear because they still have this idea that they're going to sell them.
1: And Radio 4 Extra is um, brilliant for putting on old comedy. Yes. Um, Really good, interesting things as well. It's quite, quite reassuring that that's there. So always have it in your. And I would say always. On, on, in your day-to-day life, always have it in your mind. Always carry a notebook. Always be thinking of your either new ideas or just be working on an idea and develop it and develop it. And, and You have to be really selfish if you want to be a successful writer. You have to allow it to take over your life. So like you were asking earlier about what would you watch in Edinburgh, I think I would be quite, quite selfish when I'm watching things in Edinburgh and, or... or just watch things that I think will benefit my writing or that I might learn something from, or someone that is kind of doing something similar or that I would like to do. Um, and- yeah, There is, a, writers quote. do have to be quite selfish, it's true. Yeah, and it's isn't quite it? exciting so, You know, there's a well. bit of your
0: brain that is always geared into what you're writing, isn't there? It has to be, there just does. Something awful was happening to my daughter recently and I was really sympathetic, but at the same time I was thinking, but that could be could be an idea it's terrible you can't switch it off it's there that's what it's that's what that's what we are
1: yeah I had that recently when my friend was telling me something that really bad that happened to one of his friends and he said look it's really important that you don't tell anyone this and was telling me and I just thought because he's my friend from school so I've known him for years it's like oh you're telling me he's your friend and I'm thinking of just going yeah, this, this is brilliant this is- yeah, and it's
0: also that you're thinking about patterns of speech and how people are speaking, oh that, that would do for that character, you know it's, it's frightening really anything else? Um, do you recommend using platforms like SoundCloud which you mentioned earlier and YouTube or do you find there's sort of too much noise out there to make it actually
1: worthwhile doing uh, okay, you can't you can't put things on YouTube and then hope that you'll be discovered it, it, it will only really work as a, 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 an additional thing to what you've already done uh, that, that you're already sending out so in the same way that you can't really just put a brilliant story on a blog because no one's going to read it so in, in that sense th- there is too much um, Having Too said that, noise. of
0: course, some of the things then do come through. But again, they tend to be writer-performer stuff. I don't know what are you a Europe performer. I mean, then maybe, you know, people just do nothing. Have you seen that? Yeah. People just do nothing. See, that? I don't get that. I have to admit, I think they're great, but that's one that's sort of. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, they are great. Um, that was YouTube. That was uh, several production companies at the same time were suddenly keying into. That. I don't know how long they have been doing it a while I think but you know that came through YouTube
1: um, well, I think if you put something on YouTube you then need to make sure that you uh, target lots of producers and then say to, yeah. to ask them to what. But,
0: but that was just that getting was the just, hits yeah. I don't you know I don't know how they pub- if it, I guess if it's right and you start sending it around then people share it don't they yeah. and um, that one did and there are some that do
1: do that? Limmy, Limmy's show was on BBC Scotland and got a huge following through YouTube and it's just one of the funniest shows, didn't get shown in England but because of the iPlayer on YouTube became huge so yeah it is really, use, it is really useful mm.
0: um, and it's useful for you anyway to see what you're doing try it out be, you know, presumably when you're looking at yourself you can be a bit more objective and See the, how it could be.
1: Yeah, um, that's a really good point. It is useful to put online and then listen to it back and it, as though you're listening to someone else. It, 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 does, it does weirdly feel different when you're listening to it online. Hmm. It is a good way of learning and improving. Good.
0: Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> It's fun, it's fun, but it's hard, hard work. It's hard to get in. It will, you know, John's story is not representative. Um, it, it, you know, for every John, there's a million people who've done it much more slowly. Radio 4 at the moment is, we are going to put stuff, we start. they start what they call an offers round. Um, and they will open that, in January, and we'll put in what's called pre-offers, short little 250 words or something. And they'll sift down from 450 ideas to 300 ideas. And then they'll ask 300 people, roughly, for a a fuller (laughs) treatment or script or whatever. And then they'll sift down and down and down. I don't know the end of this story because I don't quite know how many they buy out of the 300, but let's say it's 40, something like that and then they'll get commissioned in July. This is next year already we're in, and that's, they won't be for transmission until the following year. So the, the, the chances are that even if you had an idea that was going into Offers Now Known, it wouldn't be on until 2018. So the idea that you just turn yeah. it around, you know. But that does happen too occasionally still, particularly writers, performers from Ed, from, moving from Edinburgh. There will always be one or two slots for that but um, it's I th- I th- hard graft.
1: I think the good moral of, of that as well is that if you do get an opportunity or even a sniff of an opportunity to accept it and take it, because if someone says to you, I, I liked that, do you want to come to a meeting in September? Go to the meeting. Like, like It'd be quite easy to just think, oh, well, I'm quite busy in September, but like th- these opportunities do do not last long. And every Edinburgh, there were 10, 20, 30 new stars being discovered, 20, 30 new shows that everyone's talking about, and it does not take long for you to be forgotten.
0: And the other thing that I would say, having done both, and, you know, liking doing both, is you can do both. And often, even though radio is getting longer and longer lead times, it's still worth doing radio, because... TV can take so long to decide that actually you can have written it and have it on while TV is still farting about trying to decide whether or not to do something. Mm-hmm. So do both.